who here, or does anybody here like to actually put puzzles together? If you're, like, if you're a puzzler, you like to put puzzles together? So, I wanted to share with you. Here we go. So this is a puzzle. All right? I hope you can see that okay. Do you like the puzzle? I mean, you're an agriculture group, right? You should like a puzzle like this. This puzzle is um, actually is right above our bed, in our bedroom. And we put this together. I have to admit, um, there's a few others in the family that um, enjoy puzzles a little more than I do. I think if I counted, I maybe put six pieces in this puzzle. But uh, you get Aubrey and Vivian going on puzzles, and they, you know, they're really, whew, they get going. So, they were the most important ones, though. Yeah, they were, yeah well, I don't know. But, uh, but is it in a neat picture? I can imagine that this puzzle, even though it only took us a few hours, if in reality that really existed, that probably was two or three generations of work, right? Couldn't you envision that? How it was layered. It's like a puzzle. It was built piece by piece. And so today we're going to be just sharing a little bit about kind of the puzzle of our experience. And we're putting the pieces together, and uh, some pieces have been relatively easy to put in place, and some have been quite difficult, and some pieces are actually still missing, so our puzzle's not complete. But I wanted to start off by just introducing who we are a little bit. Um, we're actually um, the Seiler family here, plus my wife's parents. Um, so to the left is uh, our son Alan, daughter Aubrey, that's my father-in-law, Elias Lopez. Yeah, they're here. I think they just got in this morning. My mother-in-law, Amelia, and, of course, myself and my wife, lovely wife, Vivian. We actually um, have, in the process of developing a farm over a number of years, which, was, which is really what the story is going to be about. It's like, how did we get here? And we're going to start back a ways. But uh, our place is located in South Central Oklahoma, about a little over three hours from where we're sitting right, right here. Have you guys ever experienced a why in your life where you need to choose one or the other? We, um, as a family, enjoy revisiting those whys in our life and count the blessings where God has led us. And so... Um, today, we're going to start when we first got married, but before that, let's have a prayer. Yeah, we'd just like to just bow your heads, please. Father, you know, we think about life, and in a lot of ways, it is very much like a puzzle of how we see you leading. Sometimes the places fall, the pieces fall into place just so nicely, and you find them, and they just snap right in. And other times, um, we're a bit more perplexed about how things are working. Uh, and yet, Lord, we, when we step back, we see that you've been working all along. And I just uh, thank you for that um, in our lives. And bless us now as we just share a little bit about how this has all come about. And most importantly, Lord, how we feel like you've been leading us along the way is our prayer. Amen. All right, so 
we actually, whoops, I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. Vivian and I were married about uh, 28 years ago. We went to school right here nearby at a place called Southwestern Adventist. It was a college at that time. I believe they call it a university now in Keene, Texas. Um, and we both got degrees and we took off for our careers. We moved to Florida. We got married. We moved to Florida and we worked at a hospital down there. Vivian's a, a nurse by training. She worked in the ICU um, area. I actually was working in the marketing department at a hospital down in a place called Avon Park, Florida. I don't know if anybody here has ever heard of Avon Park, Florida, but there used to be a hospital there called Walker Memorial Hospital. So we were there. We enjoyed Florida. We made a lot of friends. It was a nice time. We just kind of felt like, well, we're kind of just on this little career track, and this is just how things should be going. Um, we were there for about three and a half years, and then we started thinking, you know, what? we'd like to start a family. And so we kind of consciously thought about that. And of course, me being a native Texan, I said, really, there's probably no better place to have your children birth than in the state of Texas. I mean, I mean, I figured that would go over maybe pretty well here, perhaps, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, so we moved back to Texas and we moved to a place called Colleen, Texas. Uh, Colleen is predominantly known for a large army base called Fort Hood. Uh, we actually went to work, there's an Adventist hospital there called Metroplex Hospital. And we moved to Metroplex, we got there. Um, we had been there um, about six months when we got the news that we were gonna have uh, our first child, Aubrey. And uh, during that pro process, we actually had had a chance to, um, we were renting a house, we found actually, unbeknownst to I think either of us at the time, we were somehow drawn towards some property outside of town a few miles, about three and a half acres, um, actually in a small little community called Ding Dong, Texas. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I tell you, we, we ended up buying this property and we, uh, we got a builder, we, we drew up all of our plans. For any of you know who've ever built a house, you know how much time you kind of can sometimes put into that type of thing. And uh, I, I actually, you, for those of you who know me, you probably already recognize that um, I, I really was just enjoying the day that somebody would come up to me and say, where are you from? And I just would love to tell somebody I, I was a ding-donger. I, I was just looking forward to saying that. But the Lord had other plans. So we went to, um, we went to the bank to close on this uh, house. And of course, we were young. I mean, we were young. We, you, know, you, know, you know all the things you start thinking about. things. And so as, as I was driving there, you know, I, I looked over at Vivian. I said, you know, Vivian, I go, you know, you're going you're gonna to still need to work part-time in order for us to make financially to make this work. The day that we go sign the contract. I mean, we weren't thinking. You know, you, anyway, you just, you just kind of follow the flow. Right? You just go, you go get a mortgage, you just do, it's just, it's just the way it kind of works. You, you're not really thinking, you just do it, because that's kind of what everybody else is doing. So we get there, and Vivian's kind of looking at me, and we sit down, we're at the banker, sitting right in front of his desk, he has all the paper lined up right there, and he's ready for us to sign. Our builder's actually in the banker's office too, he's sitting right there next to us, and this is what Vivian, she turns to the banker and she goes, is it really true 
that I'm still going to need to work part-time to be able to, for us to afford this house. And he looks at her and he says, yes. So this, to, to us, this was like a, a puzzle, a big piece of puzzle. We didn't see it at the time, okay? But Vivian looks at me and she says, then I don't want the house. The builder's there. I'm looking at the banker. And I said, okay. So we got up and we walked out of the banker's office well, and went know, back to our rental house. I was five months pregnant at this time. Yeah, that's right. And I hadn't, I hadn't thought about, I wasn't going to quit my career, but I hadn't even thought he was going to take care of his kids either. So I was like, what was I thinking? You know, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, I'm going to have to leave this, kid, this baby with someone? I, I can't do this to her. So, yeah, so I, that really, it was clear. We didn't see it at that time, you know? It's just kind of foggy when you look back on it. But we, we ended up um, walking out. We went back to our rental house, and we just kind of looking at each other. <laughs> and we said, well, we'll just keep looking. So Lord provided actually another home for us. It was, a, it was actually a HUD home that we actually put a bid on. I don't know if you have, any of you have ever been bidding on HUD homes where you, you literally put a bid, you put an envelope, you submit it. And then if you get it, you go, oh, we probably offered too much. Have you ever thought about that? So, I, but we, 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 we got this house, we made a few little renovations, and so we could afford it on one income. And I mean, I, we just like to say that because we felt like that was really a, we didn't, looking back at it, that was a big, that was a big point. Because somehow you can get kind of sucked in and you just don't really see how it, it all maybe uh, how, how it works. So are we on, ready for the next slide here? So, um, this, this nice little home was 30 minutes from work. He had to leave early in the morning, and he would come back later in the evening. So he was gone all day, and I was there with the kids by myself all day. And, you know, they're very close. They're only 18 months apart. So I had two babies, and um, there was a... There was a lot of thinking time that I had, but I felt blessed to be with them. At the same time, I was like, you know, this is not working. I mean, he's gone all day. I'm, I'm parenting by myself. And I think the Lord started tugging in his heart as well. You know, this, this, is, not, this is not good. And um, I met a neighbor in the neighborhood. She had some kids. She had a lot of kids. And um, I was like, wow, how, how, how do they do this anyway? Um, it was this neighbor that planted a seed about homeschooling. I never heard of that. I didn't even know that existed. And I was like, wow, she's at home all day long with them, teaching them. Anyway, the Lord was working in our hearts, and we decided this was not something that could be sustainable in our lives. We wanted Daddy at home with our kids as much as possible. So we started thinking we got to move, and the Lord opened the door for us to move to Oklahoma. The kids were, um, well, I can say that we went to work at the Lifestyle Center of America, if you guys are familiar with it. Ricky did marketing, and I worked nursing a couple days a week, or did a lot of other things besides nursing. Uh, But he could be home when I was working, and the kids were four 
and two years old when we moved to Oklahoma. So this is our little family when we were there. That's us. I know it doesn't look like us. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, even though we thought, okay, we have arrived, we're in the country, Daddy can spend a lot more time with us, eat three times a day with us, he just three minutes away from us, we could go see him, he could come and be, the Lord, had, uh, the, the Lord wanted more for us than just that. Yeah. So during that time, you know, I felt pretty good just being there. We decided to live 30 minutes away, I mean, to live by the Lifestyle Center so I wouldn't have to, uh, there's another town 30 minutes away, and I didn't want to have to commute, and you know, have the same deal of commuting all the time, so we want to stay close to Dad. But then the kids started growing up, and it came time for school, and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I really don't want to be on the road two hours a day going down, up and down, picking them up and, or putting them in the car with somebody else to go to the closest Avenue school. And they were so little. They're only five, six, and four, you know, in that age. I'm like, I just couldn't bear to send them away. They're so little. And uh, my neighbor, God provided my neighbor, Kathy, she had homeschooled her kids. She was actually the new school teacher down the Adventist school. And she encouraged me to keep my children home. She said, I'll teach you. I'll teach you what you need to do. So she worked with Aubrey and I for a long period of time, just kind of showing me the ropes and what to do. And we committed to go, to go about this on a yearly basis. I didn't know if I could do this or not. Never intended to homeschool. I'm not saying everybody needs to homeschool, but for us, that's what we did. And the Lord actually took us uh, with all the way through high school <laughs> on a yearly basis. So we just looked at one year at a time and got provided one year at a time. And, um, you know, just those words from Kathy, you can do this, you know, was so encouraging from another, actually from a teacher. Um, Aubrey had no problem with traditional school because you know what I did? I brought school, traditional school, home. And Aubrey did fine, no problem, just, just truth right through. Alan, on the other hand, <laughs> did not fly through. You know, it's like those little birds that you put and they fall, you know? <laughs> And I will fall, you know, Lord, you gave me a child that has no problem, and what do I do here? I've never had this before. And, you know, the problem wasn't Alan. The problem was me trying to follow tradition. Alan learned a whole different way. Alan was learning when he was playing Legos on the carpet, and I was doing history with Aubrey. He could tell you everything that I had taught Aubrey that morning by listening, you know? He had to be busy with his hands. But when it came to reading and writing, it was another thing. It was so hard. And um, at nine years old, it's when we really started more of a formal schooling with Alan. And he did schooling a little different. You see his cat on his lap. <laughs> And so, um, I tell you what, if I had to do it over again, I would do it so differently. Mm -hmm. It would be so different. Um, but God is grace, 
has given us grace, the kids have given us grace and forgiven us for our mistakes and teaching them. Um, there was a book that I read, and it was How to Homeschool Your Children as You Unschool Yourself. So it's unschooling ourselves, you know, getting out of that track and trying to do it differently. And it was that book that gave me the courage to get out of the box with Alan. So as being principal of the homeschool, I made sure I stepped in and helped with the curriculum. We had a nice, big, wide kind of area in front of this house that we had. We ended up buying a house, having it chopped in two and moved to this. It's, that's a whole other story we won't go into, but that's but we ended up finding a nice little spot on two acres. Well, we th thought it was nice. It was nice at the time, but you'll see later. Okay, so, um, so I wanted to make sure to got all the manual training, right? I didn't know the concepts of manual training, but I, I focused on the important key manual trainings. So uh, I made sure we, the kids would go out and we made sure I teach them how to throw a football and I made sure they knew how to throw a Frisbee and to hit a baseball. And we even played croquet um, and, a, and so that was their manual training. And, um, and of course, Sunday was an extra special day uh, because we, we enjoyed the art of watching football on television. And of course, golf. Um, that was pretty much the extent of my manual training for the kids as they were growing up. Because that's what I did. And that's what I knew. And... Um, I felt like that's, I mean, that was just pr pretty much it. So you could see we, um, we also at this time actually said, you know, we're out here in the country. We ought to at least put in a couple of raised beds and have a little garden. So we, I built a couple little boxes there, sort of. They were, anyway, but we put some dirt in them. And basically it was our, our field, our little patch for killing tomatoes. And um, so we came quickly to the point within really one or two seasons that this just doesn't work. And so we need to just forget about growing stuff because we put all this time and energy, which wasn't much, to just kill a bunch of tomatoes. You know, the deer would eat them or the bugs would get them or the disease would take over. And of course, even then, Alan would come in and he would sometimes, you know, get, be frustrated by it's like, Dad, why are all these tomatoes just they're dying. And of course we were watering them, but we didn't really know much beyond that. So we actually took a transition. Um, let's see here, I need to make sure to keep up here. And when Alan and Aubrey were 13 and 14 years old, we had an opportunity, we had some very good friends who were actually living in Mexico at a place called um, Montemorelos. Monte it's actually the Adventist University down there. And we had an opportunity to move to Mexico uh, and I could work actually with what I was doing. I, I was able to work remotely. And Vivian actually worked a little remotely as well down there. And we, we, we took the kids kind of out of the whole traditional schooling thing. And we went basically down there to focus on three things. They went to um, learn Spanish. Um, they also, Alan uh, did, uh, so we have a picture here I think somewhere. Let's see. Yeah, so there's Aubrey. She, we had a tutor. She actually went to, and helped with the local school, the Adventist school there with the kindergarten kids and things of this nature. But then there was a kind of a tutor that worked with her as well. And then um, Alan actually worked. They have a good art program there. So he worked on his art. And then both of them did music. And that's pretty much what we did that full 11 months. 
we just kind of, it, it was a slow transition, but it was kind of a key piece to just um, kind of help us to think differently. But you know, now they're 13 and 14 years old. So let's see what happens after that. So we get back to the United States um, and uh, we, uh, we my, my mother-in-law lives in Keene, Texas, Jerry Seiler, and she has this tradition that she likes to put a lot of stuff in her garage that she wants to get rid of. And then she tells the kids, y'all just go and see what you can find, kind of thing. And Alan was exploring through the garage and he finds a Black & Decker vegetable gardening book. And this really was, I think as, as close as we can get, this was really the turning point or our introduction or when, when agriculture came into our life in a serious, started to come in into a serious way. Alan discovered the book and he starts looking through the book. At this point, he does not like to read. He has a hard time reading and sister reads everything to him and sister refuses to read the vegetable book to him. <laughs> so Alan, guess what? He has to learn and read in a hurry, and he did. And he started going through that, and he's like, you know, I think there may be a way we can do this. The, the gardening bug was there. It, it had been in there from the get-go. He had been inspired early, early, early on from his Bito, his grandpa, my dad, and he also from my uncle, Bill Newton. And they were both avid gardeners, but for some reason, the gardens in the United States did not flourish like the gardens in the mission field where there's no weather like here. And so he's like, you know, I think we can do this. And so when I noticed this little spark, I think the Holy Spirit said, facilitate, this is it. Facilitate this in your child. And so I'm thinking, okay, who do I know that is a gardener? And we had someone in town that, that was, I had heard that had a garden and he was so glad to come and start working with Alan. And this little guy, um, he was a single man, older gentleman, and he would come, he was as wide as he was tall, and he would come, he couldn't walk very well and he'd sit in the back of the pickup and he'd say, Alan, go do that now. Okay, Alan, now go do that now. And he just ordered him around and drove around in his pickup and the, you know, he couldn't walk very well, but he worked with Alan. And there's a synergy when a child is working with an adult and it, it, he gives and you give back. And this older man was like revived. He had a reason to live. Um, and so Mr. Cash, we call him Dr. Cash, was, um, and, very inspiring for Alan, but we needed to move on, Dr. Cash, and somebody told us that there was a couple of farmers that came to a family retreat, restoration family retreat, and we met John and Edwin Dysinger. And I said, um, my child has questions, he would like to ask you, he's interested. Well, he bombarded them with questions. I mean, he sat them down, he, as far as I can remember, he just asked, asked, asked questions. And they're like, I tell you what, Alan, I'll give you this list of books to read. When you're done with that, you can come and ask me questions. <laughs> so, yeah, so we went home and ordered all these books. A lot of them are over here in the agricultural, uh, in the ag table for you guys to take home later tonight. 
at this afternoon. And um, the child that did not read was all of a sudden, I mean, he was just devouring the books like never before. I would never have thought to give him these books to learn to read with. <laughs> you know, this is not what you do in school, right? You start with Sue and Tommy went to town kind of thing, not all this agricultural information kind of stuff, but he, he read them and he was, he carried a backpack and they were all in there and everywhere we went, Alan went with a little backpack reading books. So I started connecting him as much as I could with people I, that I knew. We have a Nobel Foundation. Alan, I said, this guy, there's the agricultural here. He calls him, become best friends. Till this day, he has mentors that he keeps up with that are more than glad. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> um, I usually very happy to get his long, long, long calls of questions that he has uh, for them. But at age 16, Alan starts his garden. And this garden, as you see, this was more with Dr. Cash, so it's all, uh, it's a little different looking. Um, but we have another slide, this is a second year slide, um, and this is after he had read all the books that the Dysingers had told him to read. So there's a marked difference. The beds are out, and uh, the plastic is out, and he has all these little ideas of how he needs to do, like Elliot Coleman says to do. And, um, you know, we watch, we, I watch, basically, I watched a lot. You know, I was, I was good with this. I, I was really good with this. I was glad that he was in the garden um, involved with this, and, and, I, and he was reading, and... Um, he seemed to be progressing all of a sudden. I mean, he's making huge progress. But it's also at this time that Aubrey and Alan start seriously reading the book Education and the rest of the books that we've been talking around here, Country Living and so forth. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think, I, I maybe had heard of the book Education, but as far as actually reading it, these were books that we had, they were on a bookshelf and they collected a lot of dust. That's about how we used them. And so they started asking us questions. And like, Dad, why? And Dad, and I'm thinking like, well, so they got us engaged in reading the books. Kind of went the other way around. Um, but it was actually at this, at this point in time that, 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 that this was actually our great awakening. And it started just prompting a lot of questions, right? And But questions are good. And so you're trying to start dialoguing on, okay, so what, what are the answers? So um, we felt like we were convicted by our kids, and then we were convicted by the Holy Spirit. And we started reading these books, and it started opening up a window that we had never really looked through before. And we had a variety of questions, and I just want to go through, I want to just share with you a couple, couple little slides. This one I know you've seen, maybe you've seen both of these, but this one was actually, actually even presented at the conference. But it was this quote here, I won't go through the whole thing, but it starts to make you think. And um, then the next one was actually, whenever possible, parents should be connected to the land, right? The home and children cultivate the soil, preparing the ground, sowing the seed, tending the growing the plants. They'll be benefited and blessed. 
So that even after all this, it brings up even more questions. We're just going to go through this just real quick. So is God's plan still encouraging us to live on the land in the 21st century? How would you answer that? What does it mean when it says agriculture is the ABCs of education, of true education? If we are to be rightly trained, what is the best environment for us? Is there something about land and farming that connects and promotes multi-generational families? You know, why, why is it we raise kids, they go get careers, and then they live on the other side of the country for the rest of their lives? And we see each other for a week during the holidays. I mean, farm, what we've come to discover, it's a beautiful environment for a person almost at any age, right? And it doesn't mean everybody's doing exactly the same work, but it brings, it brings people together. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. I, I just, I feel so blessed with that. Did our conventional schooling help promote a mindset for an agricultural lifestyle, or did it hinder it? Is college just what you do as a default when you get out of high school? I mean, it was for me. I'm not saying you don't go to college. I'm just saying, is it automatically a default? Can you actually make a living farming? That's a big question. And what kind of living is actually important to make? Boy, that, that just opens up all kinds of things. Does the world determine how we live? Our life, or does God? I mean, I could tell you how I would have answered that question 20 years ago. I would like to think God determined it, but I don't really think he did. Is God just an add-on to our life choices, or is he the main influencer? I mean, I know a lot of you are here, and you probably already have asked yourself some of these questions, right? And you're still thinking about it, maybe, and you may be taking actions. But these were big, important questions. And I'm not saying we have all the answers. I'm just saying these questions should be answered. At least you ought to be asking them, right? And they're excellent questions of family discussion. So it came to a point where through this whole process, you know, it was, it was always Alan's garden. It was Alan's garden. That's what it was called the first couple of years, Alan's garden. And through this process, we kind of all kind of got to, we were kind of buying into this process, right? So um, shortly after this, after this whole awakening, Alan, who's the one right here in the middle, I want you to just notice, Alan's the one that Uncle John actually has his hand on. <laughs> so I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I don't, I don't know what to do with that other than, I, I don't think John knew where to put his hand, perhaps. But this is when Alan went to the Dysinger uh, farm and worked with, uh, John and Edward Dysinger and, and their families, all their families are involved there, and then a couple other interns that were with him, some kid in the middle called Nick, I don't know what he do, what's he doing nowadays, but, um, and David, no, no, good, good experience. I think John was glad that he finally could get John and Alan in the farm. So, so it went from Alan's garden to then we all kind of started getting engaged, and so Alan came back from his internship there, and uh, it became something that we all started to get involved in. And we did, still didn't even actually know, you know, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle missing still, right? We didn't know exactly what this was going to do, but um, we just all started to get involved. And I know we're running shorter on time, so we're going to yeah. have to kind of speed up. Okay. Am I still doing this, or are you? Um, I think I started. Oh, oh, okay, I got this. So this is just a few pictures of how things developed over the years. 
And this was, I'm talking, this is, we're talking like 2000 and, what is this, 2013, 2014-ish, 2015. There's Aubrey and Alan there in the kind of the wash area. We started like a little, little CSA program. We, we won't go into that. This is like a wash house. You can see Mommy and Poppy are there, Amelia and Elias, and kind of we're all involved. And we do market like this twice a week. And this was at our first place. This was another picture of like our, probably our last year there. It really, you can see here and then back in the background over there on the left, we have a couple of greenhouses. But this was on two acres. And uh, this, this soil was terrible. This here, all that rock you see, we dug out by hand to make those beds. So when I ask, when I share with people, start where you are, that, I, I really mean start where you are. Because you're going to make a ton of mistakes, and you're not going to really have an idea what you're doing. I mean, just honestly. And so you want to start with it. So we had, we had dump trucks come in and haul off uh, four 14-ton dump truck loads of rock off of our property. And we, so, but this was over several-year process. We didn't dig all that out at one time. But when, I mean, what I'm saying is we bought this land with no intention of ever growing really anything on it. Okay, it would be not ideal soil. It was just, it was just terrible. But we made it do. You know, I mean, this is, this is from that land, right? Okay. And then this was, I think, the last year. So you see a couple houses and some different things there. And as we, during this time, the last couple of years, we were starting looking for land, looking for land. And then we have this picture where this was after the end of one of our seasons and kind of just, so we're all smiling because the season's over. No, I'm just kidding. We, we like doing it. But... Uh, and I know we need to. Yeah. Kind of okay. This we're, will, we're going to shorten this one up. But kids, this one's for you. We put this in here. Um, one of the neat things about being in the country is nature parks, and we've been privileged to um, have uh, a little bird called Sanger by the kids. Um, it grew up to be a blue jay. And blue, I call him blue. They call him Sanger. How do you get that going? Yeah. I think you just. What do we do? Do we hit advance? Oh, there we go. Just hit the next Ooh. one down. Okay. Um, Blue loved everyone that came through. He, he loved landing on the UPS guy's head or anybody that came around. Um, we enjoyed him for several months, and he was actually released into the wild. Um, and, uh, Basically, he hung around until it was time for him to leave. Yeah. And then he left. So um, that was quite the experience. Next. <laughs> Next, we have uh, our two little Canada geese, a gift from God, for, uh, from God for Aubrey. She wanted Canada geese, and they floated into our place, basically, Georgie and Charlotte. Yeah, we had one year, and they went, came to our neighbor's house, and they came around the corner, and here's these two little baby goslings by themselves. No parents, nothing. So this is the first time we put them into their little pool. And this is like, you've heard ducks to water? Well, let me tell you, it doesn't get better than geese to water. Go ahead, watch. This is their first time. This is their first time. Okay? First time in the water. <laughs> and that's not on high speed. That's regular speed. There they go. But they grew up. And you can show the next one, maybe. I'm trying. Okay. And this was... There's Aubrey. That was Charlotte. But you know, the sad thing is, is we live in a 
We live in a world that doesn't work all the time. About, we had tried to relocate these geese to some other geese in a big pond a few miles away from our house, and they wouldn't, the other geese wouldn't accept them, wouldn't accept them. We went over a couple times, we brought them back, and unfortunately this goose here, this was Charlotte, got killed by our neighbor's dog. But it the was other a bat. one was able to fly away with the rest of the group. We found another spot where there's a lot more geese. He acclimated. And so anytime we see Canada geese flying now, we always say, Georgie. We don't know if it's Georgie, but they kind of all look alike, if you haven't told that. We have bad grasshoppers, so we bought guinea hens. These are baby guineas. And they love to hang around you. And they are great grasshopper patrollers. They're always watching you from the corner of their eye. And they also love to give farm tours. Yeah, so they'll take people. Yeah, there's one in here training the other one to give the farm tour. So here we go. Is it going? It's going here, but not there. Oh, oh there you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> here we go. So you just keep your eye, and they'll take you on a little tour of the farm. There you go. See, there you go. There, there's our house. And they'll okay. So they show you that side there, and then they come on back. He's the one in the back is in training. So you can see here, they'll just go here, they, then over, back over here to the next, and then back over here, and then you can see there's another little section of the farm back over there, and you can just see how, see how it works. And then they just do that, and they'll do that for like 10 minutes. And the, you know, and they're the geese right there in the water. See them? Right there. This is crazy. Okay. So big learning curve. You know, this was a huge learning curve for me. A huge learning curve and, and uh, I wanted to show you this picture because the guy in the middle with the big gray beard that's my great great grandfather this is on my mother's side his name was Benjamin White you know, anybody want to know what Benjamin was for an occupation he's a farmer the guy on the horse to the left of him his name's Miller White that was their son what do you think he did for a living farmer Miller had two boys what do you think they did for a living yeah Somehow, they had farming in their blood. But guess what? That blood, that, that never got into me. I, I was, I don't think it was intentional. It was just kind of how culture was going. And uh, so, through this whole process, I just um, have found that it's been a big change. It's been a big change. And I'm continuing to learn. And um, it just brought on a lot of questions. And I find that you know, I know that there are some families out there who have had a farm and it's been in their family for a number of years. And, and, the, and, they, and they just kind of like know what to do, you know? But I wasn't able to help my kids like that because I didn't know what to do. So we're trying to help facilitate and get to people and then we're trying to learn as well. But what, I'm, what we're trying to do is help them financially and help them emotionally and help and encourage. And I think that's a role as parents, at least for us, it's important if you see your kids are interested in something like that, feed it, feed it, right? And don't try to get so much in the way like, you know, I'm not sure if that's possible. I, I don't know anybody who can make a living doing this. I'm not sure, you know, feed it, encourage your kids to do it. I mean, there's lots and lots of benefits that go, go along with this. And it just brought up a lot of questions. And, you know, it's not like just starting a farm is going to, you know, all your issues and all your problems are going to go away, right? I, I, I like to say, you know what? The devil's in the garden, too. He was in the garden with Okay, you. right. But, no, but here's the thing. A lot of people think, oh, if we can just get out and get in the farm, start the farm, it's going to take care of our issues and our problems. I think it can help 
you in a lot of ways. Yes, I believe that's true. And I think it can help you learn things, and as much as important as that, it can help you unlearn things, if you know what I mean. And so for me, that's, that's kind of how, how it's been making a difference in, in my life. But there's going to be lots of ch challenges. It's like, why, why are all these black bugs on our kale? And why are these cucumbers look so terrible? And why won't the beets grow? And what do you mean we just bought two dump truck loads of compost and it's, it's terrible for our soil, right? I mean, as you learn these things, and, and so we just, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of things to learn. Okay. Well, I had my own personal struggles as well when I, uh, as I adapted to the idea of being in the farm, not just Alan being the farm, but me being a part of the farm. I remember talking to Pam and Jennifer and, and it was just like, I, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I, I, have, I have a different life and that's good for Alan. You know, I, it was fine if it, if it was Alan, but, um, you know, but the idea of me getting in the dirt and getting my fingernails dirty, it just didn't. And, I, and you know what? So I, has, I now, yeah, I now get in the farm, I wear gloves, but uh, I'm there supporting my kids, and, uh, and also I get to enjoy uh, side things that I like. I, I love flowers, and I'm learning to do flowers. Um, and so, you know, I found my own niche. It's not fully developed, but I found an area that I can actually do something that I, I find a lot of pleasure in, besides helping the kids. Um, but I wanted to um, I wanted to talk about something that was it it was a huge struggle for me this last year. Um, I uh, it was last year after at Agra, I bought this book, our Ebenezer, um, and I tell you it just made a huge impact on me. At the time, I had to decide you know whether I move. We have bought the land, but I told myself and Ricky. I am not moving to that land until you have a house built for me. Because I just have this feeling that I will never have a house if I move to the land. And I just stuck my heels down and I did not want to give this up. And um, after I read the book, I saw how much God had asked Pam through and John as they went through. And I was like, it was like God was tapping at my shoulder and saying, I'm asking you too to give things up and just trust me. Just, just trust me on this one and just listen to your husband and, and go for it. I'll be with you. And it gave me the courage to tell Ricky, okay, let's move. I'm in on this one. And I know by God's grace, something will happen somewhere. And, and so if I, I just want to mention, I appreciate them writing the book, too, because anytime I feel like she's not listening to me, I just go grab the book. <laughs> and I just show her the book and just go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not true. I, I, I strongly advise you mothers, don't leave here without taking a copy with you. It's, it's my little handbook. I mean, I have my Bible. But that book is highlighted where it hit me the most, and I encourage you to do so. It's, it, it, it was a testimony meant for us at this time. Amen. And so um, at this point, I feel honored to be part of this adventure with my kids. And um, 
we're growing spiritually together. Amen. We didn't do it right from the beginning. Um, but I have faith that they'll do it better than I have, that we have. And God is gracious. Yeah. He will work with you where you are right now. It doesn't matter what, how you've done it so far. And I'm not saying you have to homeschool. I'm just saying that worked for us. And it's been a huge blessing. Do you want to share this well? I want to share my hope verse. And it's in Isaiah 42, 16. And I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them. So we're just going to give you a real quick update on where things are at right now and finish up. So uh, just about a year and a half ago, we were able to purchase. It was really, we took this picture last week. This was a morning shot. It's hard to see. It's kind of bright up here, but there's a little fog there. And just, but um, we bought 20 acres. Uh, it's, it's, it's its own story and its own self of how that all worked and how it happened. And we went through a lot of challenges just trying to make that happen. But this is actually what our farm looks like right now. We haven't actually grown anything on there yet. We hope to this year, Lord willing. Those two white structures over there, those were actually greenhouses that we used on our other property. And we covered them with a silage tarp so that it's white outside and black underneath. And then the little silver one in the middle, that's a little shop and pump house. And then there's a little container. You see that little maroon container? Basically everything that we own is in that container. We stored it there. It's well organized. And then there's a guinea house, a little white thing as well. There's a little guinea house or seed house there. And then inside the little hoop houses there is a, we, we have two trailers. We put a fifth wheel. And then behind me, kind of where I took that picture, or Vivian took it, back to the left is another trailer where Aubrey and Alan's rooms are. And so in this one, we just have a bedroom up top and then a kitchen and stuff like that. It's cozy. But it works. And we just felt like the Lord was convicting us, move to the land, get the farm started. And the house will work itself out. So that's kind of where, where we're at. You know, to tell you the truth, <laughs> that, that would have never, ever happened. I mean, to say, oh, that'll never happen. And I remember when, when we lived in Vivian, I mean, when, when we lived in Mexico, we were in a very little, tiny, small apartment. Very small. Much bigger than this, yeah. but very small. And I said, oh, man, Vivian, just think if we could move back to the States. I mean, think about how much money we could save if we could live in something like this. And she goes, she tells me this. She goes, I can live like this in Mexico, but never ask me to live like this back in the States. Okay? And she said, never. I never ask her. Okay? But we started, we sat down one night, one evening, and we all just, we had kind of a, like a come-to-Jesus meeting type thing. And we said, okay, what are we going to do with the housing situation? We looked at all the, these different options. Because if we put all the money into the house, we have nothing to forth with the farm, right? So um, it would all work. It would all work. And so I'm going to just... Um, um, this is one of my favorite texts, and I know it's probably many of yours as well. But the idea is we, we need to trust in the Lord and submit to His ways. Submit to His ways. So here's our puzzle. There's a lot of pieces missing, but I wanted to just share with you six little tips that worked, helped us a lot. It helped us. I'm not saying this is a formula for everybody in the room, but it helped us, okay? One, obviously, is pray for patience and guidance. 
Just pray for patience and guidance. Be patient with your family. Don't push them. Don't drag them. Don't, you know, the Lord, let the Lord do the work. Read inspiration. Read inspiration. You know, think about inspiration. Just think of the word, inspiration. You're, it's, it's, it's there to inspire us, yes? Start where you are. Even if you pull out a bunch of rocks, or you're on a postage stamp yard, or you're going to plant in buckets, just start where you are. You know, you don't have to wait till I am in the country and everything's like perfect and everything. Just start with you, where you are and make your mistakes small. You're going to make plenty of them. I promise you, you'll make a lot. And that's not a bad thing. It's part of the learning process. And tap into resources. Coming to places like this, getting books like that. The Ebenezer, you know, if it wouldn't have been in that book, I, I probably would have never convinced Vivian to do this. Uh-uh. It wouldn't have happened. <laughs> but, you know, work, the Lord can work through somebody else to help. You see what I'm saying, right? Okay. And then get out of debt. When you get out of debt, it just frees up all kinds of possibilities. When you have that whole debt thing hanging on you, right, you're, you're trapped. So let's pray and finish, okay? Thank you so much for your time. Bow your heads. Lord, we are grateful for your, the way you lead in all of our lives. Sometimes we don't even see it until several years later, maybe many years later. But you're there, you're working, you're patient. Just help us, Lord, to submit to your plan. Thank you for your blessings each day. This is our prayer. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.